CIM Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Well, I'm here with Ali Lee Boone and Gemma Butler from SIM. And Gemma, you have been looking into a development this summer with the Advertising Standards Authority. Yeah, this is something that Ali and I have been commenting on and uh, reading into, and that's the advertising guidance on depicting gender stereotypes which are likely to cause harm or serious widespread offence. And these new regulations claimed their first victims over the summer, didn't they, in the shape of a Volkswagen ad and this Philadelphia cheese where a couple of chaps were in a restaurant and popped uh, the baby on what they thought was a, a bench table and turned out to be a sort of Yo Sushi-style conveyor belt. And it attracted quite a few complaints suggesting that men were bad carers, reinforcing gender stereotypes. Do you think it was fair? Well, I think, you know, if I think this is where this opens up this, this subjectivity, because what offends one person may not offend another person. And I think this is where this is where grey lines and blurring starts to come in. And they're saying advertisements must not include gender stereotypes that are likely to cause harm or serious or widespread offence. And I think, you know, obviously checks and balances need to be put in place to protect children and vulnerable people. And those things that are likely to cause harm or serious harm, then, yes, we need checks and balances in place. But widespread offence, well, they're saying widespread offence, but one complaint can cause a complete review of an ad. So are you risking um, being ensnared by this regulation, do you think, Ali, if you do anything to imply a difference between men and women? Well, I think that's a really interesting question because we were discussing this just this week, that actually the comparison between the two genders is where this debate gets really nuanced because the Philadelphia example, on the face of it, is, it, it is obvious why the ad was banned. But actually, when you look closer at why the ASA banned it, they say that it is because at the beginning of the advert, a woman hands the baby to a man, and at the end, they say, let's not tell mum, or words to that effect. And so they said in their explanation as to why this ad had been banned, that it was actually the comparison between the two, the fact that these men had been given responsibility of these children, and then were saying, let's not communicate that back to the child's mother and so actually it seems that the comparison is where things get really tricky it was the subterfuge particularly for the father exactly um, telling his friend that he wasn't going to tell his wife about this exactly yeah and so actually the comparison is where it gets difficult and i think that's an interesting example with the volkswagen advert as well because that is where you see the comparison between the two the direct between even the um, opening scene where you have both the man and the woman on the rock face and the man is awake and the woman is asleep. Yeah. That was one of the points that they picked up as showing that the woman is very passive. Mm-hmm. And then the woman throughout the rest of the advert is in caregiving roles, making a sandwich, sitting with a pram, and while the men are doing the exciting activity. So actually, I think it's interesting the examples that we've seen banned so far have been the ones where that comparison is drawn. And it would be interesting to see if a single-gendered advert would have elicited the same criticism. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I... The defence of the agency and the advertiser on the Philadelphia cheese one was, well, hang on a second, we were damned if we did, damned if we didn't, because if we'd have to, if our if our restaurant guests were both female, then we could have been open to suggest, suggestions that we're just implying that all carers are female. So yeah. the reason we used two men was specifically because we wanted to show men in caring roles, not women. 
Which but, is great. But then the problem is where it comes, don't tell mum. That is, it's the point at which you are separating the role of the two parents yeah. to imply that the mother would be dismayed that they had done this because what that implies is that the woman is the more responsible caregiver as opposed to the man. And that is where this gets really nuanced and really difficult. Do you think that's fair then, Gemma? Do you think actually the ASA in this case did have a bit of a case because of the comparisons? I mean, again, this is where, you know, this is something that is, how do you you regulate something that's so subjective? I I didn't see the ad until it was banned and all of the PR and the press came out around it. I went and looked at the ad. I personally wasn't offended. It didn't even drop into my mind. I thought, you know, the ad itself didn't resonate with me in any way, shape or form. So I would have just, if I'd have seen it on TV, I'd have just, it would have just gone into my head and out of my head. Somebody or however many people, I believe, obviously it caused them offence. But how do you make a call on that? You know, we were talking about the fact that once this gets raised as a complaint, because they also say that they, you know, any complaints they receive will be reviewed on a case by case basis. But who is actually reviewing those cases and what's what's the sort of criteria that they can then make the call that it should be banned or not? Because, again, that person reviewing it, they may be offended by that or they may not be offended by that. What is the threshold for complaints? It is just one complaint. So they will review every complaint that comes in on a case-by-case basis. So it doesn't matter if it has one, it has 100. It can be derailed regardless. And that's interesting with the ads that we've seen so far. So Philadelphia had 128 complaints. Volkswagen had three by comparison, and yet both were banned. And then Buxton, who also had an ad that was thrown into the mix and had some questions raised about its representation of gender stereotypes, received five complaints, but the complaints were not upheld. Do you think there's a danger by having the the mechanism for people to complain, it's become a magnet to attract complaints? I think you could you could you could say that yes, if you open up that one complaint can get this reviewed, then somebody will complain. Now you can get people that will complain because they're genuinely offended by it. You we all know now with you know the world being a huge open platform for people to voice their views and opinions, that there are people that will complain purely because they can complain and they want to cause havoc or or trouble. But also Ali and I were talking about the fact that what if a brand releases an ad and it's the brand that isn't a popular brand, it's got nothing to do with the ad itself? What if people complain because they've got something against the brand? So I think it just opens up a kind of worms. And the other thing that, you know, was a real eye-opener was the fact that this actually includes online and social media. Well, that's just going to be impossible to regulate, isn't it? It's got to be. And is that is that the ASA now passing responsibility to the general public to report these? And, I mean, Ali's got some facts from our social media oh, yeah. research recently that shows that. So our research showed that only 7% of teens, and though that is people aged 13 to 17, always report harmful content on social media. So that's a very small percentage. And then amongst adults... rarely or never report harmful content online. And I think it's interesting that the examples that we've seen so far have been broadcast ads. What is the ASA doing to encourage people to report ads online? Are they likely to do this? Our research would suggest not. But how are they reaching that audience to encourage that two-way conversation about these issues? Do you think there's more questionable content online that's slipping through the net and actually relatively mild stuff like the Vida Bad and the Philadelphia Cheese Up is getting ensnared in it. Yeah, I think I think absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, there is more 
damaging, probably more harmful content online. And, you know, is this a case of shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted because you've got Clearcast who have actually signed off this ad, you know? So what, what set of parameters and criteria are they using? Because once this is out, this is out because it's out on TV. People have seen it. People have raised complaints. It's then been reviewed, banned. The press put it all out there that it's been banned. It's a victim of the new regulations. There's PR about it. And actually, if you Google it, you can find all the ads anyway because they're on they're on social on social media and YouTube. So they don't actually go away. Well, this goes back to the old sort of there's no such thing as bad publicity. I mean, these Philadelphia Cheese and VW have probably got more free advertising out of this uh, 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 saga than they would have done if these ads had probably disappeared into the ether. I mean, in my own opinion, the creative wasn't that great anyway in the, in the original ads. People probably would, as you say, would have noticed them perhaps, and they would have been relatively forgettable. I don't want to be unkind to their agencies, but perhaps it, well, they, weren't, they weren't sensational, world-beating ads. No. Um, now they've got an incredible amount of oxygen. If the ASA are going to put regulations like this in place and it is truly harmful or offensive or serious content, they need to be stopping it at the gate before it gets out. Because right. if you can just Google Philadelphia ad banned and watch it anyway, it's out there, you know? So you can't really retract that. There is no way of eliminating it from the world and everybody forgets about it. You can't eliminate it, but I presume it's going to attract even more eyeballs because people are curious. Everyone's curious. So, you know, if something's banned, then, like you say, then that's PR. The PR machine gets running. Got the... Christmas advertising Niagara ahead. Lots of new campaigns coming out. Can we expect to see a lot more victims? Well, I think it will be interesting to see. We've seen brands generally trying to be more inclusive, I think. But then this relates back to the issue of comparison and also whether we're going to move towards an age where um, we have tokenism almost being as dangerous as being inclusive. Because if you have a positive gender stereotype just to appeal to an audience and just to ensure your ad isn't banned, that doesn't seem like a a positive step forward, really. It seems like we're taking a step backwards. You think that by people sort of artificially trying to manufacture uh, a a sort of woke anti-stereotype could be... You it could be slightly synthetic and it's not going to actually achieve much. Is that what you're Well, I think at? people would see through it. I think we've seen this a lot, more so with kind of socio-political issues, but I think that it has the potential to spread to this as well because there was an interesting point raised at our most recent Catalyst Roundtable from a representative from the Business Disability Forum that for the disabled population, they have seen themselves kind of placed in adverts here and there kind of occasionally in Mm. shop, but maybe in the background, not the focus. And that really is tokenism kind of in its rawest form. And I think there's the danger that we will see the same thing. I think the other danger is that we will move towards ads featuring just one gender, because as we've discussed, the comparison is is the killer, really. Yeah, that seems to me, Gemma, to be a a clear and present danger that actually monogendered stuff is going to become more prevalent because it's safer. And that's taking us right back, isn't it, when Mm. women were always the ones doing the cleaning ads, you've got the Marlborough Man, you know, men and cigarettes, you've Mm. got... You know, numerous examples really where single gendered ads and then products, you know, products then become completely gender specific, don't they then? Well, we were talking last in the last one fortnight ago about gambling advertisements are entirely male, um, blokish sort of uh, ads. There's no comparison to be had there. They're, They're appealing purely to one gender. But that's an interesting area in and of itself, isn't it? If you're 
Um, a, a marketer and your product is something that you are deliberately trying to aim at a particular gender demographic. So there are lots of products which are aimed at one gender and not the other, perfumes and um, the list goes on. Clothing, of course. Is there a danger that some of those advertisements are going to get ensnared by this, do you think? I think that's sort of uh, once something we're going to need to probably look look out for and see if that happens because some some products are only for women. Men will n- never have a use for them. So, mm. you know, it, it, how far do you go down that road? And the other thing that we were talking about is, you know, this is this is advertising guidance on depicting gender stereotypes. But what is an advertisement as in... What are they going to review each case where complaints come up? Because we have, obviously, TV ads, you have ads on radio, you have print ads, you have ads all over social media, all over, you know, digital platforms. Um, You also have influencers. So influencers are advertising products on behalf of brands. What if the influencer is offensive? to somebody for whatever reason or what if how they're advertising that brand's product is is offensive or harmful how are you going to police and regulate that um and that you know and there are a lot of influencers and influences of various influences are used all the time to advertise brands so whilst we've read a lot about you know delving into all of these guidelines and what they what they mean it's i think you know the issue they're trying to tackle is so much bigger, and gender is a very broad, well, broad term, isn't it? Well, some people say there are seventy-two genders, and yet this this regulation applies to just as if there are only two. It's very binary, isn't it? Well, thing? Facebook has you can choose from now from one of seventy-one genders. Seventy-one. Seventy-one. I overestimated. Yeah. Yes, um, but I read somewhere that you know. It, it's apparently it's popular in 2019 to, to distinguish between sex and gender. There are two sexes, but there are limited genders you can have. So yeah. I think, you know, we could sit and dig into this all day and talk about it all day because you could go off on so many tangents. But I think we need to keep going back to the fact that... But no, just on that point, though, before we move on, yeah. is this... Are all the regulations... Is, is the pitfall in the regulations when you are comparing or implying and making comparisons between the two sexes or between two genders? I think it's the sexes. It's, yeah. It seems to be, and if you look at the ads that have been banned, it's comparisons between the two sexes. Yeah. It's, but obviously, you know, the guidance is around depicting gender stereotypes. And you think it might be out of the frying pan and into the fire with these regulations, that the law of unintended consequences means that um, a lot of the more dangerous material is not getting ensnared by the regulations um, for whatever reason, be it the lack of comparison between two sectors and, in fact, comparisons within the sex, or that it's on a different platform, it's on social media, and actually this is just going to scratch the surface, capture some big headline uh, mainstream advertisers on, on, on the television... And everybody else is just going to go and do what they like. I think a lot of it will fall under the radar, I think, and will continue to happen. We're living in a complete, we're living in a big glass bubble, aren't we, as a world? And everyone can see everything. So you can't, you know, and, and does this cross borders? Social media is is borderless, isn't it? Does this cross over to ads that come out from America that come into the UK space? Is it is it brands that are situated in the UK and just advertising within the UK there's all these different questions that spring into your mind once you actually start 
you read what they what regulations are and then you start to unpick them back and think well how can you possibly do that well but that's the, but that's an issue with regulations generally isn't yeah. it that you you can end up in this reductive discussion where you say it's so hard to regulate that does that mean that we shouldn't regulate and I, and I think absolutely we need checks and balances and we need regulations in place. We really do, because, you know, we do have to protect children. We do have to protect society and vulnerable groups within society. I think they absolutely have to happen. But having them after the ads have been released just doesn't seem to make sense. You know, Clearcast need to work with the ASA to prevent them from even seeing ever seeing the light of day. Yep. You know, they need to stay on the cutting room floor and, and not ever be released. That's the only surefire way of stopping these causing offence or causing harm. From the agency side, if you're giving a little bit of advice to agencies, they, they, we don't want to end, end up in a situation where advertisements feature only one of the sexes. No. We certainly don't want to be in a situation where we're in a sort of tokenistic exercise. And also, for a third point, we probably don't want to be in a situation where we want to sort of kill all fun um, and have... And creativity. And creativity. So given those sort of competing dynamics, what can they do, do you think, in the the interim while this is being reviewed to stop being, uh, you know, stop these things happening again? I I mean, I guess um, read read the regulations, read, read all of the stuff online that's available, and I guess just apply some common sense and have open discussions about the ideas and, and... you know, I would I would hate to, it to all be so rigid that you can't do anything, as you say, and you creatively die. But um, you know, I guess you have to have to make um, make yourself aware of what those regulations are and what could be depicted as harmful. I guess there's some glaringly obvious ones, and avoid those ones that are in the regulations, and then just take use some common sense with the rest. But also. I would argue that if I was an agency who'd put an ad together, worked with a brand and put an ad together and Clearcast had signed it off and then it had gone out and then subsequently be banned, that would that would be frustrating on many levels, including from a from a financial resource, all the time and effort you put into doing that. If it gets past the first gate, how can it then just then retrospectively be pulled back in? Is this just another example of just badly thought out re- regulation that's going to cause a whole of a lot of problems and now we're in a review period and if we'd thought about this up front and we'd, we'd set a, a sort of gate up front, as you've suggested, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. I think it's not badly thought out regulation. I think it's badly, poorly executed. I think, you know, you read a lot of, a lot of, lot of, the, uh, of, lot of the guidance in there and actually you can't disagree with a lot of the guidance. Yeah. But the execution of it is, is not solid. It's not working. I think the execution is flawed and it's allowing stuff to come out that stuff that comes out is then released further. That stuff is then reported on. And actually, you're, you're taking something that was probably go unnoticed by a lot of people and then just putting a huge spotlight on it. Indeed. Gemma, Alec, thank you very much. Thank you. Join us next time when we delve into the exciting world of fast fashion. CIM Podcast.